welcome to the I Am podcast. So you might be tuning in here because you're interested in maybe a more peaceful, effortless and inspired way of performing and uncovering potential. And if so, then great, because we're about to take another big dive into it. And this time very ably assisted by Professor Steve Peters, who is recognized globally and particularly well-known to the sporting industry for all his mindset work as a consultant to over 20 Olympic and national sporting teams, including Liverpool Football Club, British Cycling, Great British Taekwondo, England Rugby, England Football, and as well as this, a whole range of individual professional players and athletes. Teachers too, students, CEOs, hospital patients, hospital staff too. He's obviously a very busy guy and an incredible one too. So I met Steve in Portugal many moons ago when he was working with the England rugby team in and around about 2007. I had a brief chance to speak to him, which I had the feeling was really going to lead somewhere. But our relationship, unfortunately, was cut a bit short. I do feel strongly it was representing, I think, a very interesting turning point for me. For him, maybe not so much. It's fascinating, though, that he has managed to help support and liberate so many athletes and teams in so many different ways. It was awesome to get a taste of how he does this in our main guest episode, where he does a great job of breaking down the old me, highlighting where the issues may have lay in my approach. And I really do feel that if you find yourself struggling in some way when it comes to performing or just relating to life, I think this discussion could really help you greatly. Listening to the way that Steve speaks and navigates through different subjects, the power and the humility in his energy, I can see why his new book, A Path Through the Jungle, all about developing robustness and resilience, is going to be a big hit, maybe even bigger than the uh, Chimp Paradox, which his mind management book, which achieved enormous success. Now, resilience for me, that is a powerful quality and one worth discussing and discussing hard. It means for me, I guess, looking at how we relate and respond to challenge. Uh, this is a world-changing opportunity, possibility if there ever was one. Resilience for me can often be framed to be just about the courage and determination to fight for your dreams, never give up when we feel that challenge. Now, that's okay. I ask myself, though, what decides whether something matters to us or not? Well, that would be our beliefs and the understandings we hold. So another idea, maybe a deeper one of resilience, might centre around fighting for what you believe in. The way I perceive it, our beliefs and understandings in life, coming from wherever, however, and back whenever, they all mix in to give us our self or image of self. And this identification that we take on, for me, it dictates how we perceive and how we react to what we perceive, feel and think. And of course, how we then act, which all adds up to what we create. So in essence, how we relate to ourselves determines the entire parameters and possibilities of our experience of life. It's a big deal then. And whatever we do create, our outcomes, the way things turn out around us, how people think and feel about us, well, all these things just feed back straight into that same system, which we immediately begin perceiving and reacting to all over again. So this is literally a self-perpetuating, self-solidifying and self-contracting cycle that reinforces the original identification at the heart of it. 
one that can become so strong and so locked up over time and practice that we forget it was ever just an idea, also a choice, albeit a largely unconscious one. So who we really are is never actually challenged. Neither is our potential. That's never touched by setback either. It's our self and our beliefs that are challenged. So another expression for resilience, standing up for yourself. So here's a really powerful quote from Rupert Spira, our series one guest one that opens up another way of looking at this. Who we are does not have a mindset. Who we are is a mindset. So our beliefs and understandings make up our mindset. When we stand up for this conditioning, these conclusions, I guess we're choosing to keep hold of the way we're seeing things. But isn't the sign of anger, fear and survival the very thing that would encourage us to change our mindset? If we're suffering our mindset, why are we campaigning for its extended tenure? If our self isn't able to be inspired and feel free to fully engage, express and perform, then how are we going to correct or resolve our situation through it? And why would we want to when we're being shown how flawed it is? Our beliefs, mindsets and ourselves have all been accumulated through past experience and impressions. Resilience can therefore mean that we literally, if we see it this way, go to bat for our pasts. We do whatever we can and desperately stress ourselves in order to keep our limits, to make sure that we experience no more than what we have already experienced and put an end to any evolution or growth. We end up almost trying to regurgitate the same familiar feelings, essentially sufferings, and then recreate the same circumstances that we've been trying to desperately avoid. A big revelation of the Iron Podcast is that there's absolutely no solid truth to who we really are. No matter how real everything feels, reality in the real world is a relative subjective experience, all coming from how we see ourselves at the base. Do we have conscious awareness of these conclusions and beliefs that fund this relationship with ourselves? Are we willing to unearth them so we can take back some responsibility for ourselves? If we are not and do not, then our idea of who we are becomes all we are. It becomes our truth. It's the I am who I am and that's that type of statement. And if this is how we see things and what we're locked into, then we're going to take challenges to ourselves very, very personally. It's going to become serious. We are going to blame everything and everyone around us for the way we feel. Very quickly, resilience is going to define itself as an urgent effort to resist all change and all challenge because it's essentially death. So in this manner, we create pressure and fear for ourselves, fear of failure with constant what ifs of the future. And we 
create massive regret and over-analysis and self-criticism with all our if-onlys from the past. We operate out of anger or desperation, and in doing so, we miss all the subtleties, the detail and the intricacies of that feeling realm and of all the compassion, the opportunities within our presence. We might get some results from this approach, this black and white survival mode, but we sure as heck create some destruction around us and even more inside us too. But if we do see through this self-importance though, well then resilience can be defined as exploring everything original to us underneath the person that we've gathered, our personality. We can find space and distance between us and our creation so we can get back that liberated sense of creativity. We can access inspiration and a sense of much greater playfulness about life. Isn't it always the case when we're feeling good and we're feeling open to possibility, we are more playful. In that state, we can really channel some genuine curiosity, openness, and humility. Then we can let the universal intelligence take the lead in our evolution, which sure means we're going to go somewhere new into our potential. Because if we go toe-to-toe with the universe, holding on to our old ideas instead, that's going to paint a very different picture. I feel like we are so much more than our opinions and our personalities. What we are before and beyond our beliefs starts to draw in on that source of real potential. A great many accounts of this dimension have described it as that undivided oneness, the unconditional and the infinite. The state of meditation as well as any number of other states that distance us from the hold of our beliefs. They have the capacity to tap into this source. There are plenty of individuals who teach methods of connection to it and many of these do revolve around primarily letting go and surrendering. But when we head out into society, we do need beliefs. They're really important for our direction, lots of our decision-making and therefore for when we need to achieve something in this world. I even once heard Sadhguru, a Series 2 guest of the podcast, and an enlightened yogi, say that at the moment of true enlightenment, 99.9% of people will leave their bodies, suggesting that completely releasing ourselves from this conditioning actually releases us from the material world. It's almost like we actually need certain fixed understandings, beliefs that we lose ourselves in to anchor ourselves here. We do need work to do, problems to sort, passions to follow, contrast and suffering. It seems to be an important part of the living process and of helping us find our way here on earth. And underneath that, I think somehow is desire, which plays a massive role. It's a vital life force. Without it, nothing can happen. No growth without the desire to breathe or for ourselves to function or for any cells to function, to do their work. What would there be here on this planet? And filtered through our beliefs, this desire, I think, appears to us, depending on those beliefs or the fixed nature of them or what they are, it appears to us as a need for what we 
never maybe felt we had growing up or what we just think will fill that hole in us that will save us? Is it more wealth, more possessions, more power, more love, more freedom, more time? Whatever it is, it's always more and more. But through challenge, we also have the chance to look into these beliefs, to tune more directly into the excitement, the passion and the purpose that also resides in that incredible desire. But for this to happen, something of the old us has to give. The distrust, the resentment, the insufficiency, the lack of worth or the lack of belonging. And as it does go, we can sure, I think, connect to the higher intelligence of the life in us. This is why on this podcast, I might say more than once or twice that acceptance and the letting go of something is what every challenge is asking of us. From a place of peace with what is, we then do we not feel so much more ready and able to start dreaming about our futures rather than go pouring back over our past? When we feel ready to step into our vulnerability and become the change that we wish to see, amazing things can unfold for us, certainly much more than when we try and fend off our vulnerability just so we can remain loyal to old ideas. A big question then, can we work towards feeling gratitude? Can we work towards that feeling of power, feeling loving of life, fulfilled, independent of what the outside world looks like? That's a big one. But what an awesome expression of our boundless creativity it is. The capacity to construct and become who and how we need to be in order to just bring about the life we desire the world we desire. This is what I call making the most of every moment. And it's also allowing our challenge to lead us into our potential. It's no easy task for sure, but we certainly know where that other option leads us, the alternative, because we've been there before. Maybe we've been there for a long, long time. I know I have. I think it's also a misconception that people can ever be seen as tougher or more courageous than others. The lever of resilience and desire to keep coming back from setback, I think is a reflection of a specific purpose or passion in a certain area of work unfinished. There's often all these kinds of intense training programs for certain professional fields that seem so arduous. They can also be painted in a, a way that's about seeing who's the toughest and who's got what it takes. I think they've been designed, though, to see who's got what people are looking for, finding out who's supposed to be there in their life, who has perhaps been born, certainly at that moment in their life, to do this. It's not about who's more resilient. In my career, I came back from many, many injuries, but not because I toughed it out any more than anyone else in the team. I just didn't have a choice. I couldn't think of anything else during that time, so I couldn't rest until I got my way. Would it be the same now? No, not at all. Does that mean I'm less resilient now than I was back then? Not at all. I just have less passion and purpose for that arena. It's no longer relevant for me. But I feel drawn towards others in almost a similarly obsessive way. Accepting and allowing ourselves to be guided into the unknown, 
through patiently uncovering our next excitement and expressing it is called the path of least resistance. And with each iteration of this evolutionary process, our purpose and what we stand for, rather than what we stand against, becomes clearer, I think. We can discover a more connected and engaged way of delivering it too. It can become so much less diluted or dimmed as we step more and more out the way of it. Let it do its thing. With each learning, I think this way, with each acceptance, I think we become less self-serving and more serving for others in general, less infatuated with ourselves and more caring of others, less stressed, more playful, less reactive, more responsible or able to respond. It's the flowing path. Just like how water moves and finds its exit, it's not necessarily for us the most comfortable route, but it's the way of the least wasted energy. I think it's the most direct route. It's the way of the genius. And when we follow it enough, I reckon we're all going to end up in touch with our own potential. So thank you very much. First of all, to everyone listening, just a quick note at the end to say it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for affording me this opportunity to express my passion and to follow these exciting threads in my life. Thanks for being here, supporting it, contributing, feeding back. I think you guys are awesome. Thanks also to Professor Steve Peters for his immense gift and for opening and sharing it, for being willing to uh, provide opportunities and possibilities for us all to explore different things in our life. I wish you so, so well. I hope you keep enjoying the podcast. I hope you're able to stick with it. I hope it's having some impact in some way on your lives and those around you. My name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Professor Steve Peters. So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Max Creative, the executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy. 